What's up, Pelicans fans? Uh, give us a second. I know apparently there's um, some people in the room. We're just going to send a little Twitter link out telling people that we're live, and we'll get this kicked off in a second. So just give us one moment here. Yeah, we, we, Ned, we're live. Read your comments. Uh, we're not talking right now. Just waiting for uh, the room to populate a little. And then, um, you know, we're just tweeting stuff out. Okay. Anyways, I think uh, anyone who wants to tune in can tune in. Before we start, I did want to make a quick statement on the ruling of the Roe versus Wade case. Uh, on Friday, if you weren't paying attention, um, millions of women and people with uteruses had reproductive rights taken from them. And we want to say that we stand with the women and now is the time to act. This is not an issue we can afford to be passive about um, and wait for the lawmakers to do something. Uh, anywhere you can help, whether it's donating to reproductive right funds, um, reproductive justice funds, uh, it just, you know, reaching out to women that are in your life and people with uteruses in your life um, who may be going through a tough time, just lend your support. So just wanted to get that out of the way and let people know where we stand. Uh, just one, one thing to add there. And obviously I, you know, I'm fully, fully on lockstep with you on this, but speak up. I mean, if you, if you feel passionately about this subject, I mean, speak up. Um, obviously not everyone has the means to donate, but just, I, I, I know I've, I've spoken to uh, friends who just, who've, who've reached out to me. People I haven't talked to in years, just saying, thank you for, for speaking up as a, even, you know, just, just making sure that, uh, you know, people who, who, who feel similarly have, you know, feel like they have allies. Um, so that, 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 that's really, that's the main message I, I wanted to convey besides, besides obviously, um, you know, sorry, this is a little bit of an emotional subject for me, but, um, okay, I, I, I feel very strongly about this and I want everyone who feels the same to make sure that other people, women are just, know that you you're, you're there for them and will fight with them so that's it appreciate you saying that mason um we can begin uh talking about the basketball stuff even though uh, it's a little heavy after that um you know i i, I do think uh, people who say that sports aren't political are, are missing the point um this isn't politics this is life this is people's um existence on on, on the line so uh, appreciate that. We're going to go and start talking about the draft. We were there, or I was there specifically in Brooklyn. Um, it was a it was a fun time and hoping to taking, take y'all through that process and what it was like. Um, while After we do that, we are going to try to get some questions in. But if you have questions in the meantime, feel free to pop them in the comments. They populate in our little side chat up here. And once those st comments starts coming through, we can put them on the screen and, um, and yeah, just, uh, we'll be able to answer them for you. But, uh, Mason, I was, I was in Brooklyn, man. Uh, shit was crazy. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, before I, I get into that, just wanted to say, what, what were you doing on draft night and, uh, where was your head? Like, what was your setup? What, what was going on with you? Um, not nearly as cool as, as, as your setup. I had, a I had a, a baseball game. I joined a, a league here at, in, uh, in Detroit. And of course he had a game that night. Uh, but, um, I was literally, I was, I was, it was like the sixth or seventh inning and I was in left field and we were on. Were you picking flowers? 
Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, <laughs> we we were, uh, it, it was the, the half inning before that, we finished hitting, and it was like the seventh pick, where it's about to, what, the seventh pick was on the clock. I was like, or the sixth pick, I was like, Shh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss this damn pick, but uh, quick inning, and we got back in the dugout, and the game the game was just ending for us, and then uh, Pelicans were on the clock, and literally, um, as I'm walking away from the field, I saw the Dyson Daniels um very very happy about it you're you're a huge influence in that obviously I, I i i'm everyone knows i'm not a huge nba draft evaluator um i i watch uh i'll, I'll basically read the experts essentially i trust the experts and then I, I view you as an expert and so you seem very happy about it but but we can talk about the player later tell people about the experience because that's it, it, it i, I want to go at some point in my life it's really awesome that you were able to to check it out and interview train train like it was so cool just Tell, tell the folks about it. Yeah, um, it was unbelievable. Just, I guess I'll start from the top. I got in Wednesday afternoon, the day before the draft. Um, just, I, I had a hotel in downtown Brooklyn, about a five-minute walk from Barclays. Uh, so it was very a very quick walk. I spent that evening just walking around, getting the lay of the land, got some some really nice pizza uh, at Grimaldi's, I believe is the place name. It's right on the, the waterfront um, where the Brooklyn Bridge uh, crosses over to Manhattan and the Manhattan Bridge is there. Um, really, really beautiful area, really cool um, scene. Just walked around, definitely saw a lot of folks with um, basketball-related gear, just jerseys, and uh, a lot of Magic fans were out there because uh, they had the number one pick. Obviously, I'm a little bit um, – I don't know where it was during the Zion thing, but I was like, man, I should have been at the draft when, when Zion was going one. I bet that would have been nuts. Um, but uh, – and then we settled in. Just I made a couple texts and phone calls to make sure everything was on plan for tomorrow. At that point, the like the intel I was receiving was basically, yep, like Dyson is their guy, and they're optimistic that he'll be there at eight. Just that's just that was their read on it. Based on the intel that we're getting, it sounds like um, Damian Lillard really wanted Sharp. He was the the driving force behind that, and. While people in the Portland front office uh, had big fans in Dyson, there was a big driving factor in the name of Damian Lillard um, moving things along, helping the Pelicans. So that was that was the intel at that point, and the Pelicans were confident, cautious, right, nervous, apprehensive, because all it takes is one team to kind of blow everything up. Um, but it was okay, Dyson, and then if Dyson doesn't work, the backup plan is Jang. Um, and you know, they'll obviously they could have explored other options, maybe like if they felt like Sohan was gonna make it past the Spurs or whatever. Clearly he wouldn't have. Sohan wouldn't have made it past the Spurs because both Jang and Sohan were there, but they probably maybe there was a good chance they could have gotten Jang at 10. Um, and so maybe that was a deal that would have went through had had Dyson not been on the board at that time. Um Sharp, like you're Sharp wasn't Sharp Sharp was never uh, at least from, from what you understand in the consideration for the Pelicans at eight. If if the if the Blazers had gone with Dyson. No, no. Uh, Sharp was not in the consideration from my understanding. I don't, well, I don't know at what point he would have been, you know, like, you know, had XYZ players been off the board or had XYZ deal been on the board, like, you know, if they trade back to like 14, is he there? Does that, is he, is there consideration then? But I, I don't know. But I think realistically in terms of what they knew about where he could have been picked and what their options were in terms of like where their pick is and what the trades were, he was not a realistic option, a live option for them. Um, and so, so yeah, just, you checked in. That's, that was the buzz the, the night before didn't really change the, the morning of the morning of, I walked over to the Barclays center in the afternoon, right about, you know, like one or two, two or three, maybe, um, set up shop there, did some interviews 
with some local folks, um, set up and did some interviews for myself for, for Fletcher actually sent some clips back, um, had the nice little official WDSU mic. That was kind of cool. It was a cool experience. Um, and then went and got ramen, uh, nearby and it was a really good joint. Um, but after the, the food stuff made it, made my way back to Barclays at that point, they had opened it up for like credential pickup and stuff. And so I walked in, signed off on my credentials. They had a pretty, <clears throat> it was, it's a huge production. The draft is an absolutely enormous production in which they are cataloging and tagging like every person that's like coming in and making sure uh, they have the appropriate credentials and access. Um, so like, yeah, they, they, you know, they asked for who I was and who I was affiliated with, got me my stuff and then like pointed to me like, okay, like here's your assigned seats. Here's what, um, where you need to be. Here's the media room. If you need to go down to it, here's where like the one-on-one -on -one rooms are going to be. Here's where the press room is going to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, okay, there was just a lot of information at that point in my head was like, I, I don't really know if I like absorbed all of it. Uh, so let me just get down there and figure things out. And, and um, the Pelicans were really nice. They had, uh, they had called me, Prior to that, they were like, hey, like we'll have our social media team there um, and and feel free to like if you run if you run into them, feel free to kind of like tag along with them and um, they'll they'll help you out if you need anything. So that was that was really cool. But as soon as I like exit the little area, walk down to like the concourse of, of Barclays, I'm going there and then there's Trey and <laughs> Trey's just walking there and Trey's like, yo, what's up, dude? And I'm like, what? What's going on? And uh, so we caught up for a little bit. Um, he seemed to be on the same page in terms of Dyson than, than Jang. And uh, I was like, dude, I don't know where I'm going. Like, you know where any of the media stuff is? He's like, yeah, the red carpet this way. Like, come on down. And so I just kind of tagged along with Trey. And it's like, I guess, like, his, his, they had some people with his agency, some PR folks with the agency. Um, and he was with Complex uh, Sports because he was behind the mic in a camera. He was interviewing all the other uh, lotto players who were uh, invited to the green room. And, and and some other folks. So went over to the the I need, carpet. I, I need your hold on. I need your evaluation of Trey Murphy, the uh, the interviewer. I mean, he's a rookie. Uh, he's he's a do? star, man. He if I had to do like an interviewing draft, like like yeah, if you had to draft players for interviews, man, I think he's a he's an easy lotto pick there. Uh, no question, man. It's uh, you know like especially on the Pelicans, like it would go like CJ and Trey, like I. I think, oh, well, hold on. Ho Jose's pretty good. Jose and those Najee interviews are pretty hey, good. Najee, yeah, come on. Najee's got to be at the top. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think Trey, just like in terms of, yeah, I think Trey was, I, I think Trey's up there. I would take Trey. I would take Trey over them. Uh, easy. Actually, that's an easy, easy choice. Uh, so um, he set up shop and, and he, you know, he was there and every time, basically like, all of the lottery picks, they had like different stations for like all these like different photo shoots to kind of like show off their their um, their suits, their their jewelry, um, anything else that they wanted to talk about. And they just kind of like went in like a little circle and then they went like they each had like their mo moment on the red carpet. And the way the red carpet was set up was like there's different stops with like different media. So like they had um, Taylor Rooks interviewing them right before they got to Trey. And then they had like ESPN social and then they had like sports illustrated they had you know all the all the all the major platforms were there trying to get stuff on their socials and whatnot um as long with the teams as long uh, as well as the team's uh people so trey set up shop and i just kind of set up shop behind him um because i was like yeah like you know if he's going to be interviewing all of them that's a quick and easy way for me to cover not only all of the players in the draft but get the pelicans guy which i'm here to cover the pelicans uh to doing all that and so it was really cool to kind of watch him ask these players. He had like, it's like a set of three questions were basically like, 
you know, like if you had to eliminate one of these rappers off your list, who would it be? I think it was like Drake, Kendrick, J. Cole, and like someone else. Um, and then it was like, uh, there's a couple other questions. And the final question that you would ask is like, hey, if you were to play Trey Murphy in one-on-one tomorrow or today, like who would win? And and anytime basically someone would say, oh yeah, I would win. Of course I would win. He'd be like, that's that's a cap. And so he'd have a cap counter. And he's like, so eventually they got up to like 12 or 13 caps where players like, yeah, I could beat you. Um, and so so that was uh, that was pretty funny. Did to, anyone to say that? Did anyone say that Trey would win? I think it was, um, there was like, Jabari Smith said something like, I don't know, or like, we'll find, no, Chet definitely said, I don't know, like, we'll find out, Uh, which is interesting because Chet was also on record saying like, I'll be the best player in the NBA in two months or something like that. Um, And then Jabari said, Smith said something similar too, where he was like, okay, Trey's like, that's not a lie. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, and, and so it was cool because like watching him interview, like other very, very tall humans, uh, and just kind of put in perspective how tall Trey is was, I mean, you guys saw the video of me next to Trey. Like I look like I'm half his size and, and, uh, it, it was him standing next to Mark Williams was like the biggest one for me. Cause like, I know everyone's like, Oh, well, camera angles. Like, no, I was there. And let me tell you, he was not that much shorter than Mark Williams. He was straight up taller than Jalen Duran. Like he, he was, I didn't get the picture of him and Jalen Duran side to side. He was straight up taller than him. Um, it was, it was pretty impressive. I'm like, man, Trey, Trey is an enormous human being. And, uh, and so when he, when, when Dyson got to the, the Trey spot and you guys have like seen the video, I actually didn't know they would publish that video. I thought he was like doing it off record. Cause he like looked at us and like looked at the camera. He's like, um, I'm gonna like, call it. And then he was like, yo Dyson, like future Pelican. And then Dyson was like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And I didn't know the camera was rolling at that point. I thought it was just like he was goofing off with him. Um, but yeah, they caught that that moment on 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 video, and that was um, that was very cool. And after that, once the the lottery picks had done their circuit, like um, Trey and I got down and, and did, the, did did our little thing where he made a, a special shout out to the Jane Gang. That was that was actually I. It was not scripted in any sense. It was entirely him, and uh, so that was that was fun. Um, but once that was done, just got some food and went, took our seats for like, we had some media seats, um, took our seats, watched the whole thing proceed. And um, as you can, like, once we like sat down, that's when like the Woj tweets started coming about like, that the magic are seriously considering Apollo at number one. And it was like, what, what, what's going on? Um, and, and so we were like, okay, this is going to be, uh, you know, this is going to be a surprise just from the, from the get-go. And then um, once it kicked off and Paulo went one, um, <laughs> everything, everything kind of went off the rocks uh, for, for a little bit. Um, so Paulo going one essentially meant Jabari was going three. Jabari going three means teams are calling Houston. Teams are like, Hey, what's up with Javari? Do y'all want him? What do you, you know, what's it, you know, what, what would it take to move up? You know, if we offer you X, X, Y, Z amount of first, what would it, the Pelicans were one of those teams. They called Houston. And and again, it's like, it's due diligence. You have to, right? Because like, it's way harder to move up from eight to one, but eight to three, maybe, maybe you feel like you can swing something. And Houston was basically like, um, yeah, no, like you can give us this, the moon. And they, they asked a, a lot and the Pelicans were like, yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, and, and I'll, I'll let y'all figure out what the idea of a lot is. Um, but trust me, it's not something the Pelicans want to give up. Um, and, and so that was that. And then, uh, with Ivy, so then 
Ke- the Kings took Keegan at four. And so while, while it was on three, like the three, three went off, um, the Pelicans were prepared to also like move up to draft Dyson if they felt like the board was going to shake out a certain way. And there was like a brief moment where it was like, ah, uh, you know, maybe like, is there a possibility Dyson's going to go um, somewhere that he shouldn't, you know, that he's not projected to go. But when Ivy ended up falling, it was like, okay, Detroit got five. And again, that was another team that that other teams are calling. Like obviously, New York called to Detroit about Ivy a lot. Uh, the Pels also like kicked tires on it, not in like any serious fashion. It's just like you have to make the call at that point, right? You have to make a call to every team that's in front of you and be like, hey, like is that something we can pull off? And the the King or the the Pistons were basically like, hell no, like <laughs> we we want Ivy, and uh, he's not he's not going anywhere. Few, few teammates uh, during the game that were super pumped about that. They were they were fired up to get uh, to get Ivy, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun team in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, and so so that was that. And then at that point, you know, the the Pelicans were basically monitoring uh, Indiana and, and Portland. It's still like a good like they're like the intel was still the intel. Like Port, like Indiana is gonna take Matherin, and then Portland's gonna take Sharp, and that's ended up how it going, but. You just never know at that point, right? You just kind of like shit, like what's going on? Um, but like I do, I do know the Pelicans valued Dyson as the next guy over the top four, like on their own personal board. Like that's how high they were on Dyson. Like it was the top four, and then they valued Dyson. Like that's how high they were on him. And and when like like Trajan mentioned in his press conference, like when Portland selected Sharp. Um, he was like the room exploded for good reason. They got, they got their guy, um, that they were basically locked in on. And at that point you're emotionally invested in this choice too, because if you're just like, that's my number one choice, that's my number one choice. That's my number one choice. There's like this human element of like, yeah, like I know I like Jang, but like, I really just want my guy and I'm going to be upset if I don't get my guy. Um, so, you know, there was, there was that element to it, but yeah, once, once he was there at eight, um obviously they were very happy and the way it worked for me when I was out there is I watched the pit the pit go down um you have a a considerable amount of time before you need to go anywhere to interview him because they like it takes a a, a, like you know takes a few minutes for him to walk up to the stage um takes a few minutes for him to like do like there's like several stations of interviews that they got to do like on the draft floor whether it's like the ESPN crew the um the the tnt crew or whatever you know like the nba tv crew or whatever there's like it's like 10 different like interviews that they got to do 10 different like pictures they got to take um and from then on like once the pick was made i made my way down to like the bowels of barclays center and um that's where they were gonna start doing like the press stuff um for for like their average media not like the the superstar media (laughs) um and so they had these like little like rooms um like set up on there's like a practice court in barclays and they had basically curtained off some like like press conference rooms they had like a little like uh table and there was media from like pretty much everywhere like each of those rooms and um you're able to you're able to just like sit there and then like ask your guy like they basically um they have a person who picks like who's gonna like answer questions like like you basically like raise your hand like a person that's directing where the mic's going so it'll be like yeah like left seat etc whatever like third row second seat um so i gotta ask Dyson a couple questions there and then after that they go to like one-on-one rooms basically where it's just like just a small little booth that that's set up for the team and the team specifically and that's not where like 
you know, this is like not where like common media is allowed. Um, this is like where you're for like with the team and like team social. And then like, I also like kind of just tagged along with the, with the Pels. This is where I like attached myself to the hip to the, to the Pels people. Um, and they were just so kind, uh, like shout out to, shout out to Chris and Tatiana. Like they are just awesome people. Um, and they, you know, they set up a little booth and that's where they did the zoom interview with all the media back in new Orleans. Um, and then once that zoom interview was done, it was like, I had time to ask him questions. And that's when I talked to, talked to him about, um, the food and like playing for Willie Green and, and, and all that. Um, and then, you know, we just kind of followed him around like his like various different photo shoots, just kind of get like an idea of like what they have to do. So they take him, they like usher him to like another room where he has to do like a photo shoot for Panini. And then they usher him to like another photo shoot and then another photo shoot and then another photo shoot. And then one of the photo shoots, they like surprised him with a picture of himself as a baby. Um, well, they actually surprised him with uh, a G League Ignite ball. Um, that was actually really cool. And, and, and then they surprised himself with like a picture of himself as a baby and then asked him about his family and stuff. And, um, that was, that was like very wholesome. And so after, after those rounds, we basically were done and, uh, I was like exhausted because like it had been like a very long day. And then like, I, I was getting some Intel at that point. I was like, all right, we're going to go home. Right. I was getting some Intel at that point that, oh, okay, well, maybe the Pelicans aren't done. There might be something on the table for, like, a, a, pick, a, late, a pick in the late 20s uh, somewhere, um, depending on how the board shakes out. And and with the way uh, it was falling, there were still, like, a couple of guys left in the green room that that could have been there at the pick. And I was like, all right, like, do we – do we stay in the off chance? Like they pick a guy in the, in the green room and they make this trade goes through or, or not. And then once they, once, once we got like, you know, we waited like a few picks and like um, kind of got like a coast is clear because at that point, like several people had fallen and they were like, no, 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 no. Like the second round seems pretty promising. We're not going to commit to any first round pick and, um, and like, you know, like take on a guaranteed contract there. Just let's see what, how the second round six shakes out. And um, they were, they were surprised as as anyone that that EJ fell uh, to to forty one like the the way he did and that was a huge reason why they didn't like make any moves to move up in in the second round just because they were like they had a lot of good options on the table and, and EJ like having a first round grade was just absolutely mind blowing and and they, they pounced on that opportunity um, to to take EJ there and then uh, obviously they selected. Carlo uh, Matkovic, who is going to be stashed in Europe. And then they got uh, Darion Sebron, who um, is someone that they were a fan of for, for a long time. And they didn't think he would be there. Uh, a, like they thought he would get drafted at some point. And two, like they didn't think he would be a two-way player. Um, they thought that someone would give him maybe something a little more or like he would just get picked, you know, so they didn't, they wouldn't have an option to him. And so when that happened, and, and obviously like, I think, Two things people got to understand here, even with EJ, um, is the second round is hugely, hugely, hugely agent driven. If someone does not want their player picked, um, their agent will make it very difficult in terms of the deals that they're willing to accept. Because in the second round, there's no guaranteed money. You basically negotiate with the team with the deal that's on the table. And so a lot of teams, you kind of see like those Hanky specials, those Lou Dor specials, those Najee specials, where it's like um, like rookie minimum money that that has a lot of non-guaranteed years. And it's like four years of team control. And it's like actually like a very like anti-labor <laughs> agreement um, when it comes to these players. Or, you know, it's a, it's a two-way option. 
And so agents can basically be like, yeah, we're not going to sign anything you put on our table to drive their players to a point where, where they need to go. Um, and so I think it speaks hugely to what the Pelicans are building and their reputation along, uh, around the league with agents. Um, unlike, you know, what some people might want you to believe, cough, cough, JJ Reddick. Sorry, JJ. I know we've moved beyond this. I know. I know. Trying but, to get him on the pod, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I know. We're trying to get him on the pod. I'm sorry, JJ. My fault if you're listening to this. My bad, bro. Um, but, it, it, you know, both both EJ and his agent, you know, agreeing to come to to New Orleans and and Darion uh, taking the two-way as an undrafted free agent. You know, as, as a free agent, they are teams, especially contenders, uh, who need to fill roster spots. You're looking at the Lakers who like are spending heavy amounts of cash to move into the second round yeah. just so they can like get a guy and get, get production. And so you have, as a free agent, you have your pick, right? And so to pick New Orleans of all teams and to understand like this is where they want to be and like this is a developmental program and uh, to agree to a two-way for, for Darion is, it, it really speaks to the organizational culture that the Pelicans are building. Yeah, it, it blew me away. Um, and I think the you mentioned casually roster spots, but it, I mean, I think specifically with New Orleans, it's not just the roster spots. It's the fact that they are one of the deepest teams in the league and you've got to really fight to get any minutes for this team. I mean, and so the fact that not only um, they're willing to take a two way, but take a two way with New Orleans that has, you know, obviously not not a, not the super contender level, but but they do run 10, 12 deep at this point. There's still there are guys who played in the playoffs for them last year that may not even be in the rotation this year. And so that that's t- that's tough. And, and for a player to come and, and, and take that kind of deal who could probably, you know, be in a, a fight for real minutes from day, game one somewhere else. It, it speaks a lot. It speaks volumes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, and I think the. The Birmingham developmental program is a big part of that. Ryan Pannoni, the, the head coach there, is very, very well regarded um, in league, league circles. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, who is this Skip Bayless knockoff in the comments? This <laughs> I, I need y'all to see this comment. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, <laughs> someone's a skip bayless comment anyways uh I like the, the dedication like to actually use the skip bayless picture too not just the name yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> anyways um that's pretty funny but yeah just uh just ryan pannoni and, and the developmental staff in g league they're, they're very well high regard and i wouldn't be surprised to see ryan um being a part like a part-time head coach for the summer league squad or a full-time head coach for the summer league squad um definitely going to be there uh in, in some capacity so um yeah i mean it, it's just again the pelicans are bringing in people in their organization that they feel are competitors um players who are willing to fight through adversity players who are versatile and tough right every single selection they've made um basically dating back to like last year, um, I want to say prior to that. I mean, that, that's that's been the theme, though, because like I was trying to think prior to that, Kyra, but I don't really remember who the second round picks were that year. Did they have a second round pick that year? Kyra's year? No, no one of consequence, right? It was it was that the year they brought Najee in? Um, yeah, that was. So yeah, it was Kyra and Najee. They were they were rooks together. So yeah, same thing with Najee. He's just a versatile, tough dude um, who's who's kind of like willing to get and Melly technically right. He was no. He was a year after that, no, or a year before that. When was when was when was Melly a rookie, an older rookie? Man, get out of here. <laughs> we are not talking about Melly. Um, 
And and so, yeah, just like bringing in players who can play multiple positions, uh, players who are not literally like the won't bow down stuff like they drink that Kool-Aid. Right. And and they believe it. And that's part of what the last season was about in terms of Willie Green um, making sure the the Pelicans stay on track after they started one and 12, making sure they literally don't let this thing go off the rails and, and they fight their way back to the playoff spot. So that's also the theme here where it's like, Hey, we're going to draft players who are multi-position who we feel that can fit in around our stars at any point. And I think the key here is in, we've already pointed out uh, it's already been talked about ad nauseum is they care about players who are international. They care about players who are from the South. Um, and, and, you know, you look at in Dyson who is uh, Australian, his roots in North Carolina, Darion, I believe is from Norfolk, Virginia, uh, played at NC State, and uh, where is EJ from? Let me look this up real quick. You know where EJ is from? I should know this. I'm so upset that it's not pulling. Uh, let's see. Belleville. Where is Illinois? Illinois. Okay, so he's not from the South. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's not the guy that's from the South. But either way, they're prioritizing those players, and they're prioritizing – Players who can, what? Oh, Indiana? I don't know what they're going on. Anyways, it's it, I think it's Illinois. I'm pretty sure it's Illinois. Um, they're prioritizing players who can contribute in multiple ways, and and they're like, okay, shooting is a skill we can we can coach, and and they're not specifically going after. I don't think they mind shooters, right? They drafted Trey, and if they feel like this is a versatile player, we can bring in. Like EJ can shoot. EJ EJ shot like 37 uh, percent. Uh, from three his final year, and he was actually extremely good uh, from from the mid range spot, um, and and so it's not that they are like averse to players who can shoot. They want to make sure they're bringing in a guy who, if their shot isn't going down, can give them something that that can can still find their way to to put up stuff on the scoreboard, but also like uh, uh, also contribute um, defensively. So it's just it's those are the kind of people they're looking for, and it seems like they have a very clear vision of what they want to do around Zion. Yeah. And Brandon, sorry, I'd be neg- it's neglectful of me to not mention Brandon. Yeah. Um, for sure. So I think, so let's, let's talk a little more about where we stand here with the, with the roster, because you, you mentioned the two way uh, for Sebron and we know that the Pelicans had one roster spot and that's going to Dyson. So they're at 15, they're at one two way and you've got a second round pick here who an EJ who was had a first round grade, and there's a lot of ways this can go, right? And so, um, any 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 thoughts on you know what you what you expect and and what you do based on the options here? I know the answer to that, uh, and I'm not allowed to say it. So, um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, so, so we can give the two main options, right? Because it's really only us two. I mean, so let's let let yeah. I mean, those are the two options, right? You create a roster spot, you you take a two way, and yeah. and and so, um, I I don't think those are mutually exclusive, though. Like, I think you can create a roster spot for someone else too, if you if you wanted. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think cap wise, they are flirting with the tax line still. Um. I wouldn't be surprised if they want a little bit of breathing room under that just to give them flexibilities of making trades that allow them to take on more salary um, and, and not impede that. And um, I do want to mention with regards to the tax, 
the Warriors, the Nets, um, the Lakers, and a few other teams are going to have absolutely massive tax bills. And the way that works is at the end of the year, those tax dollars get redistributed to teams that are not taxpaying teams. Um, and, and so this doesn't impact any basketball stuff, really. I mean, I guess it depends on the owner, right? Some owners are just going to take that money and put it in their pocket. Right. Some some owners are just like, OK, cool. Like, that's our money. Screw y'all. Other owners are going to take that money and invest it in the team because that's that's going to be uh, stuff that can reinvest back into stuff, um, their program and take advantage, basically get subsidized by these by these larger teams. Um, I want to share something that will put into perspective how different of an owner Gail Benson is when it comes to uh, this stuff when compared to her late husband, Tom Benson. They had opportunities to sell the pick, the 52nd pick, I think it's 51, 52nd, 52nd pick. They had opportunities that would have brought in cash. That cash would have gone straight to ownership. They instead opted to stash a guy, someone who is not going to see their G League team their, their regular team, anything like that for a year, maybe two, they could have had the money. They did not do it. So um, that should be something for your consideration because uh, I'm pretty sure cast considerations was one of our uh, favorite draft picks for years and years and years under Tom. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that for sure. And this isn't like a, you know, bow down to ownership type thing. It's a, how yeah, different is this from what we used to see, right? That's the big message is that, you know, we, we, the, 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 they would sell picks all the time. And now it's suddenly, you know, we have, we have ownership that at least, you know, is investing back into the team, which is great to see. Yeah. I mean, the, the exception I think here is when they sold the BJ Boston pick um, last year, I believe, or maybe it was two years. I'm forgetting these years blur together, but when they sold the BJ Boston pick, that was kind of like, oh shit, we're paying Alvin and Stan and all of it together. Let's get some, let's try to get some of that money back. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, also like coming off the COVID shit. I'm not trying to like cap for billionaires. Uh, I think they should pay up for their teams. Um, and I, but I do believe that that Miss Spenson is willing to pay for a team that's good and competitive and and invest in it. Um, I, I do think that they need to like prove that they're on that tier, but I, I do not believe for one second that there's any reluctance to to get into the tax if the opportunity calls for it. Like if they told them tomorrow, like Kevin Durant's coming to town, I mean, they're going to be a tax team. They're like, okay, Kevin Durant's coming to town. They'll, they'll do it. Kevin Durant's not coming to town. So don't, don't go crazy about, <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, so, so there's that. And then, so what's next is, uh, is is basically figuring out the roster um i'm going to ask you do you have any so do you have any suspicions on what might happen um in terms of roster spots so i you know I, we i think so matt moore asked us both this question on twitter yesterday and we responded within two minutes of each other and we gave similar very similar answers in that um i think it seems like we both agree that if there are any players that move it's it's probably either Devonte or jackson um and so you can't I rule think out temple fair. either huh you can't rule out I, temple either yeah fair um uh, yeah, and so i guess i'm thinking about guys who who would be potentially rotation players and that's you know, Garrett temple is not and so 
Um, thank, thank God. After, after last season, um, you sure, man? <laughs> I guess, I guess We're I'm gonna not see like somebody go down and Garrett Temple gets some minutes before Dyson. Pelicans Twitter will erupt. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think um, I, I think the one of the, one or two of, the, of those guys. I mean, and you could also package those guys to get that they create salary for you, kind of in that nice little mid range. Of course, you've got to be very careful at this point in the game because of how much salary you already have committed. And your point earlier about a tax team, we'll, I think we'll get there at some point, but I don't think we're I don't think we're there yet. And so there's not really that that much flexibility that you have from um, you know, in terms of being underneath the tax line. But um, you know, I, I think it's if if someone comes calling for Devontae and will kind of just trade you an expiring for him, I think you have to do that if you're the Pelicans. Um, and, and but you know, right now I think he has to be viewed as some somewhat of a negative asset. But we'll see how free, free agency plays out, right? Teams that there's no one has cap space. Teams have to find ways to add talent, right? And so if Devontae Graham, if one team can sell themselves on Devontae Graham helping, he's not getting paid a ton of money. It's basically mid-level money. And so there, there could be a scenario where he moves. And then I guess with Jackson, it's are, do you really see yourself giving him his second contract with the other guys you have under contract? And I, I just I, I don't see it at this point. And, so, and there are other guys that just need minutes on this team. There's so many guys who need minutes. And so – I think if anyone's going to move, it's going to be those two. Um, as far as guys who, you know, would be Devontae and Jax, yeah, yeah, I got a weird echo on your side. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, dude, um, I think that's accurate. I think it's going to be very interesting to kind of watch this point guard market play out. Uh, we know the Wizards are in the market for one, we know the Knicks are hounding after Jalen Brunson. Um, who the Mavs may or may not match. Uh, we know the Knicks paid a, paid a pretty penny to dump Kemba, um, which is was a confusing draft day move. But, hey, go Knicks. Uh, let's do that. But obviously, Kyrie's going to have some sort of uh, um, imprint on how the market plays out, and then Brogdon as well. So you're basically looking for teams that might talk themselves into, hey, we could kind of use Devontae as a backup. Uh, his contract is basically – there's two year, basically two years left of it because the final year, the, the, the third year after this, is um, mostly non-guaranteed. So you would have this year, next year, and you're looking for teams that are willing to create cap space in about two years or um, use an expiring next year to kind of make something happen. It The the tax situation is interesting to monitor because there is uh, there are a lot of teams that are like way deep in the tax bill, and, and there's going to be a lot of owners that want the windfall from that. And because of that, there's going to be teams that work to, to create space under the tax and get that stuff. So it might not be easy just to like dump anymore. Uh, it might cost a lot more with teams knowing that that's kind of on the horizon, especially especially for teams um, like the Nuggets, for example, who are staring down an enormous tax bill with um, with with the uh, Jokic's supermax coming, and they already have Murray on the books. They already have MPJ on the books. They already have. Aaron Gordon on the books and then they have to figure out what they're doing with Will Barton and um and all of those people and so um those are that's going to be an interesting team to watch in terms of any moves that they might pull um would not be surprised I think Tim Connolly is someone who would have done everything he could to keep that core together um Tim Connolly is no longer there in in Denver so that's going to be a team to watch um uh, would not be surprised if they make big moves there um, and then 
was I going to say? So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy for the Pelicans to straight up like find like a dumping ground for, for Devontae or Jackson. It, in my opinion, it has to be kind of like what you hinted at is like uh, a trade for an expiring or like you combine the two for a player that's like consolidating them into one salary. And and then that opens up a roster spot in some minutes for you. Um, I strongly believe that Jax does not have a future on this team. And I'm not saying that because I don't like that player. Um, I'm saying that because I understand the reality of his contract situation and um, and the minutes on this team and and what he and his agent desire. So um, I I would be pretty surprised if he's on the team come September. Um, let's just put it that way. So he's the guy you think is most likely individually to, to be gone between now and September, October? But, I mean, I, it's hard to move him in as an individual because his salary spot is so small. And so, like, I don't think they do, like, a one-for-one one salary thing. I think they have to consolidate. So it's going to be Jax plus something or Jax, you know, is it Jax plus Temple that gets him in the, the 10, 11 million range? Or is it Jax plus Devontae that puts him in, like, the 16 million range? Um, I, I don't I don't know. Um, and, and, like, I don't know if they do all three of those things. It's like we're saying three for, for one. Um, but uh, I, see, I see a lot of comments. I'm going to bring up some comments. Can- can I ask you one quick question before you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you stand on the balance between getting the players you know are going to be part of the future of this team minutes against um, playing guys who you want to put on the trade market and kind of get and try to make sure their value doesn't crater, right? So, like, if you think that if you have Jax or if you have Graham on this team to start the year, are you making sure they're at least in the rotation somehow so they don't just – so no one, people don't just forget about them and, and not, not value them? Or do you move on and you try to get the guys you know are part of this team? I, I want to get out in front of that and just make sure you don't even have that issue um, sure. to, to start the season. However, to start the season, to me at that point, no team is going to be like, oh, well, Devontae's playing more minutes. Let's give up more more, more picks for him. Um, I, I think teams are pretty comfortable in their assessment of who those players are at this moment. And I do not want to. I would. I want to play the best basketball players. I don't want to get into like playing front office games. I want to play the best basketball players. And so it was clear last year they should have been playing Trey over Temple. Um, I don't want situations like that to arise. And so if if Jose is the better basketball player at this point than Devontae, I'm not saying that he is. I'm saying if he was, I would want Jose to get those minutes. If 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 Dyson was the better basketball player than both those players. I would want Dyson, you know, like I, I love Jose, but if Dyson was straight up better than him, I would want him getting those minutes. So uh, to me, this team, this is where we talk about like, oh, like they're going like, to, they're ready to win now. Yeah. If they're ready to win now, then you play your best players. You don't play games. With them. Um, and, yep. and, and yeah, sure. I'm sure like rookies have to like work into that stuff uh, and earn their minutes. I get it. Um, but we should not be uh, hell bent on, um, making them earn things. If they're just good, just play them. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I guess I have a question for you is if, if we are, um, if we are moving those players, is there a position role skill set archetype that you're looking to add to the team that you feel like could get minutes if, you know, injuries uh, allow that to allow them to. I think it's, it's the idea of Garrett Temple last year, but someone who can actually add value on the court. <laughs> what does that mean? That, that means it's a guy who who actually is good enough. to. It's a similar position. It's a similar 
um, it's a veteran who you know, can, is respect. Like as Garrett Temple, the team uh, can't say enough good things about about you know the guy, the person Garrett Temple and the teammate Garrett Temple and the mentor Garrett Temple. But he's, he can't play anymore, and so um, I, I look for a guy like you know probably someone who's you know on the on the older side of more because you know that's probably going to be a cheaper guy to go get. And but someone who can really play and 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 be a rotation player, someone who can you know, but kind of around that wing type or, or guard slash wing who can who can defend and and knock down an open three. I disagree. I don't want to introduce any of those guard wing types because I want all of those minutes going to Trey, all of them. Like if I can get Trey past thirty minutes a game, I am doing it. Uh, and if I have any minutes left over put give him the dyson and give them to dyson at the one two three and four i don't care where you put him just slot him in there uh any leftover minutes i'm fine rolling into the season with that and then as you get to the deadline and you're like okay well these guys aren't getting it done fine go make a deadline move that that shores up your rotation those guys are probably going to be cheaper at, the, at that point you know like you could probably get a terrence ross for crazy cheap at the deadline Probably, right? You could probably get um, a lot of these folks that are just like right now, teams like, oh, if you want them, like, got to give up more. Um, no, let me let me roll in with this team. And if I need to adjust, um, I'll do it. What I really want is I want a legitimate big man behind Jonas who can, if Jonas goes down for any period of time, start um, and 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 you're like, okay, like we can, we can trust this guy to defend and rebound and, and get things done. Everyone else will kind of take care of the offense. But I don't believe uh, Billy Hernan Gomez is that guy. Um, I know that he's like started in, in situations and like put up double doubles and stuff. To me, um, against any quality teams, you're 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 going to have an issue if he's your if he has to start for any like long like long period of time. I think he's best suited for like giving you um, energy minutes, like maybe 15, 20 minutes, like on random nights uh, in February where you have like guys missing time and people are hurt and you're playing the Kings on a Tuesday and you're like, all right, cool. Uh, and then Billy Hernan Gomez comes in and puts up 15 points and 12 rebounds in, in 17 minutes. That's the, exactly what you need um, with, with Billy. But in terms of like any like long, like meaningful stuff, ideally that player is someone that can protect the rim gives you a little bit of di- uh, a different dynamic than, than, than Jonas. And then you could also, uh, use him in certain matchups to close games where you feel like it's advantageous. So you play center, center by committee. Um, you know, you can have Nance out there as center. You can have Jonas out there as center. You can have um, this this big man out there as center. Um, maybe you know if, if if our development gets to that point, like you know Trey or Herbert uh, are, are going to be taking those spots, or EJ is going to be taking those spots. But I think that's a future conversation rather than a immediate conversation. Um, who knows? Maybe I'm proven wrong. Um, I think it's more of a long term, but in the short term, I want someone who gives me optionality to close games with and someone who I can rely on to, to start games if I need to in a pinch. Yeah, I guess. I mean, so, make, makes total sense. And I, I, I think um, the challenge is thinking about so the priority number one, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but the priority number one for me is it's got to be an expiring contract you're trading for, right? Someone who, whose money you're getting off the books. Um, so that being said, is there someone in that what, salary what's your, range? What's your reasoning behind that? What's I, your reasoning I, behind that? Ta- tax mostly. Uh, I, I, I don't want to have 
I mean, because if we're talking that salary range that like um, if you're talking Graham and Jackson, if you're if you're combining them or if it's even just Graham, I mean, that's uh, well, I don't I don't know if I want to pay that much to a to a five anyway, you know, um, right behind right. behind Jonas. But I, I, I think I prefer the flexibility of an expiring in that situation. And so then I'm thinking about who are, who are the guys who are in that salary range who fit that description. Um, but this is this is an exercise, right? I don't I don't know the wings. No, I, and I don't think you have to like match that set. Like I think you could like find a trade for those people and then like bring in your big man through like other ways. Like let's say you um, open up enough room to to use your MLE. Um, like let's say you you know you do find a cast based team to work with and and you're doing that. So like Detroit, for example, um, Detroit's a fun one uh, because they now they brought in Enduran. Um, what it, would you like? Would, well, first of all, would you do a one-to-one trade, Jackson, for beef stew? <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's his contract situation? He is what on his third, going into his third year uh, of, a, of a rookie scale deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he was I, the, the Cairo draft, right? Yeah, I would definitely do that. Yeah. Um, and then, so could you work like so? Then the Pelicans have to ask: Can they work something around a Devonte? Um, and jacks for for stewart and and maybe like a, a small ca- uh salary that the pistons want to send over and they can just wave that guy um outright and and you know they'll have a considerable amount of space and open up the mle so like you know some, something like that and i think you know stew's not like you're gonna pay the pistons a pretty penny to use up that much cap space on the trade like that. no i agree i agree i'm just saying like can you can you work something around that can you do that with a cap space team so like they're, like they're a cap space team um the Spurs are a cap space team and the Knicks are a cap space team. Uh, so, th- you know, those are kind of things, but like you might, you might have to do like Jackson goes to one location and, and Devontae goes to another location or whatever. Um, yeah. Got it. Yeah. I just, I, I have, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical. There are so few teams with like the cap space to be, a, and there are teams like you, you said it 10, 15 minutes ago about teams looking to, uh, to, to move, to move salary. So um, you may have to pay for that because it's a, it's a seller's market in that regard. Yeah, I'm going to bring up a couple comments. Uh, here's one that says, um, how many teams start a true quality center that you need to back up to JB for? So uh, I think it's more than you think. So um, I think if you're playing the Lakers, doesn't matter who they're starting at center, you need a very big person out there to help you contain AD and um, and their other big, whoever that's going to be. I think if you look at the Bucks um, with, with Brooke Lopez and, uh, and Giannis, you need a, very, a quality big out there. Uh, Sixers, um, duh. Um, Cavs with their with their twin tower front court, duh. Um, Nuggets with their MVP, their back to back MVP, yeah. Um, I think Gobert will kill you on the glass. Um, Aiton will kill you um, in different ways if you're not able to do it. We're up to seven already. Um, I'm trying to think. Trying to think. There's a lot more. Um, who are the other centers? Nurk is an interesting one because I think like you can you can find ways to neutralize him depending on Portland supporting cast. But if they're continuing to add perimeter talent, Nurk becomes harder to neutralize. Um, and so you need someone who can again uh, clean the glass and, and be a, a bigger body there. Like basically, I, I can list all these teams that I would not uh, feel comfortable starting Jackson or Billy against. Like I would not want Billy going against um, Portland um, in, in any kind of pick and roll situation. I think Portland would, would absolutely murder him. Um, oh, Towns. Forgot about Towns. Bam. Forgot about Bam. Um, where are we at? That's 10. Uh, so that's a third of the league already. Um, 
Capella's a hound on the glass, depending on what they do with John Collins. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think it, it goes beyond just like a one-to-one matchup. For me, it's like who's on their team and who is on uh, their perimeter and what are they going to be tasked to do with the pick and roll. Um, and so it's like that's that's where I'm at with, with those players. And um, I would like someone who can help me survive those minutes. Uh, and, and in terms of Larry as a stopgap, no, I, I do not want Larry getting starter center minutes. Closing minutes in burst, sure. Um, I don't want – I think the Pelicans just get eaten alive on the glass. And we know that he's even though he's better at switching, he's not someone you really want to switch up against the best guards in the league because a 37-year-old Chris Paul made barbecue chicken out of him um, in, in every single uh, isolation or pick-and-roll situation. So, um, sorry, I don't want Larry as a stopgap to start. Every time I look at his height and I see six seven, it blows me away. Like he doesn't he doesn't play like a six seven guy, but at the same time he is six seven and it's only I mean they're, they're, yeah I I, I I agree with you with, with he's probably not he can't start at five but he can he can play there in spurts and look you could probably piece together what the guys Pelicans have on the roster but to your point there are certain teams you don't want that against um, and I I'm a little bit less concerned. <laughs> I'm a little less concerned on this on the center front. I think uh, behind Jonas, uh, the new, but I I think it's a reasonable thing to 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 want, especially if you find the right the right fit. Um, but I, I also, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I mean, you look at team, Toronto, who is Team Six Nine, right? And and that's their like the fans love that, and they all love that, and every single one of them has been clamoring. We need a competent big. Even the Bulls, who had Vucevic, who had a down year. Vucevic is someone also like you don't want to um, you don't want to like like start uh, against like really good cards. Um, but like he's he's someone that will take incompetent bigs and, and murder them. You know, like he, he'll he, he can still score in the post if he needs to. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with them, but the Bulls, they had Vucevic and they want a competent big. They want an upgrade from Vucevic. Right. And so it's it's people are like, well, you know, where's the value of the big? And like, I get it. I get like, you know, I, I don't want to draft those kind of players in the in the top 10 or anything. But like you need successful bigs to be a good team um, in the NBA, especially those who can hold their own positionally in terms of being the right spots in rotation, being the right spots and drop defense, being the right spots to to, to clean the glass and those kind of stuff. Um, and so like if, if that's there. Uh, I yeah, I would love to get minutes for those kind of players. Um, is isn't Stu too small? Uh, he an inch taller than Nance. I mean, yeah, I think it's a real problem. He's not a he's not a rim protector by any means. I think he would have to be an energy guy. I don't know if I trust him uh, to start. Um, again, same thing with Billy, but um, he's very physical. That's for one thing. He's not going to uh, he's not going to shy down from contact. Like some some guys play bigger than they are. But yeah, I think the rim protection is a, is a major concern with Stu. Um, that's not something that uh, that should be glossed over. Absolutely. What's, what's if you all have more comments, like keep popping it in the comment section, and we'll yeah. we'll pull them out as best we need. Yeah. Mitrob. Or Nerlens. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so the comment is from Ali Boy uh, five hundred seven. I guess we have to think about it like the pod listeners are like, what's going on? Like they're just kind of saying things stream of conscious um, pod listeners. were reading comments uh, from the live comment chat and answering questions. So this is a question from Ali boy, five Oh seven. 
Uh, and the question is, what about the big man on the New York Knicks? Um, so they, Mitch Robinson has a pending free agency and Nerlens is on the contract for $9 million um, or so. And so like that is that's a situation where like, okay, the Knicks have cap space. Can you send Jax and Devante um, to the Knicks and they get their point guard and they get their athletic big man um, backup and do you get Nerlens? How do you feel about that one? So you're wait, we're getting Nerlens or we're getting Nerlens. Um he, he hates clutch, so that's a win in my book. <laughs> 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 no, I mean you can I, I, he is he's expiring. Yeah. That's that's a perfect that's a perfect option. I, I, I think I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. Um so I think my thing with Nerlens is if the intel checks out on him, um, if he's willing to buy into the team and his medicals are good because he is someone who's oft injured uh pull the trigger but also he like you said because he's an expiring he just may be someone you want like to pull the trigger for anyway and like if he's a problem um on the court uh or if he's injured or whatever you can you know you're not you've not invested too many resources in that player to where you like all right the contract's gonna come up um later yeah I, I, uh james james smith says Knicks are clearing space for brunson yeah we talked about that earlier um maybe they don't get him you know so so that's that's kind of the possibilities that we're talking about is Next there might be some teams that, that miss out on the point guard sweepstakes that have space um, to where they, yeah, they, they look to other options. So, and, and Nerlens is also someone where you could just do a Devante for Nerlens swap and figure out a different Jackson um, location somewhere else. You know, that's, that's, that'd, also be, that'd be really interesting. And I, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? If they don't get, and we know the Knicks have a habit of not getting the free agents they want. So when, if they strike out on Brunson and uh, they're still looking for, the thing is, like, Devontae is not fooling anybody. He's not a lead guard. He's not a point guard. But if that's, you know, maybe the Knicks can talk themselves into it. I mean, they've got. Well, that would, if the front office believes in quickly, right, um, and they believe in RJ as ball handlers, um, then Devontae is someone that you could put in that camera role that they had yep. and just put him in the bench. Um, so that's, that's really, really funny extremely funny if they spent a penny to move Kemba and they just trade for, for Devante, that'd be batshit. Um, and especially kind of given how like Charlotte replaced Kemba with Devante, uh, Devante for, for a hot second. I mean, not like intentionally it just happened, right? Devante had that, that baller year um, <laughs> after Kemba left. Um, that would be really, really funny. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be incredibly funny. Um <laughs> There's one called uh, uh, a, a comment from Shammer, bro. Um, he says, what about Rashawn Holmes? Uh, Rashawn's a really good defender, underrated, albeit like not like a huge person. I, I just don't see any reason why the Kings are going to give him up. I, I Like who who is their big man? They drafted Keegan. Um, they have Sabonis. And like who 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 do they have behind Sabonis that they would be willing to just move off of Rashawn for, I mean, if Rashawn's just like angry there, which is very possible that he is. And he's like, get me out of here to a place that I need minutes. Then how do you give him minutes on the Pels? Cause like he sees himself as a starter. Uh, can you give him 18 minutes? Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see that as a realistic option. I I think you need someone who like recognizes they're going to get 18 minutes at most on like some nights. And then some nights they might not play at all because Jonas is playing 37. And the others are going like Larry or whatever. What? Well, whatever happened? He has some pretty serious legal alleg- legal allegations, right? Like Sean Holmes did. Yeah, 
I didn't know anything about that. Oh, I can't. I, I don't remember, but I I, I want to re- refresh remember on that before um before I respond or anything. So, um, but uh, yeah, I feel like the archetype we're talking about is um, who was the other big man from uh from the Kings that went to that went to the Deadman? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, I feel like Dude, he's like, like forty years old. I know, for like two or three years ago, he was like, oh, the rim protecting big who can shoot threes, and it's like, yeah, I mean, but. He hasn't, and like ever since every everyone wanted him, he got zero minutes anywhere else. So, I don't know. <laughs> there's a there's a comment from from Kenneth uh, Salisbury, and he says, "Is Ken Birch considered a center? Um, if he was considered a competent center, then Raptors fans wouldn't be um, trying to move uh, heaven and high water, hell and high water. I don't fucking know the term uh, to get another big man that's competent. So, I mean, I think Ken's fine, um, fine." I, I would prefer someone like I, someone mentioned Hartenstein. I, I'm a big fan of Hartenstein. I would, I'd be happy with him, but that's someone you need to open up mid-level money for, in my opinion. And and he might actually have options as a free agent in terms of, Hey, I can go to like all these other good teams. Cause if the mid-level is all you can offer then so can like every other team pretty much. This is working to be a Mo Obama thing. <laughs> there. Wow. <laughs> Look, David O'Connor. What about Mo Bamba? What about Mo Bamba? What about Mo Bamba, Mason? Hook him. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their solution is um, there, but I do think that they 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 need to find somebody. Um, you still gave know. his number away, right? What? They gave his number away. Well, I, oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave it to Paulo. I mean, I, I would too. Paulo is. Uh, Paulo is the number one overall pick. Paulo on the like, like I, we were talking about earlier how tall Trey is. Paulo is enormous. That man is a, like six ten, six eleven easily. Um, I, 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 you want it's one thing to like see the measurements, and it's another to see these people um, in person. And Paulo. If he had, if he continues to showcase, like develop his skill, like I mean, his ball handling's there, his passing there, that is going to be such an issue at his size. Like he's going, he's going to be a problem. I, I absolutely see why Orlando. Like I was not high on him as a prospect because I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. I get like Julius Randle vibes. Julius Randle's like six six. This guy is like legit, like six eleven. Um, so yeah, I I I'll take the L on having Paulo at four. Um, I mean. Who knows? Maybe I turn out to be right, but I'll take the, the L for now. Like, like Paulo's Paulo huge. <laughs> Paulo is huge. Um, we get uh Sky. Um, Sky says, let's get Josh Hart back. Mason. I mean, he's he's not a five, but sure. <laughs> I, no, I, I mean <laughs> I gotta let the Josh Hart thing die, man. Like, uh I I hope. Josh Hart had his time here. It was great. Let's not let's not try to, to do this over again. Like, where where are you gonna find him minutes? Is Josh gonna play 17 minutes a game off the bench? No, you're not gonna start him. Who, who are you gonna give him minutes? I sorry, man. Y'all like the Josh Hart dream is is over. It's you, over. We can't. We can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he only did like great year last year. Like what for Portland too? You said he was great. He had a, he had a good year. Yeah, for his standards. <laughs> Let's like it was it, by far the best year of his career. And let's leave it know. at that. Let's let's just leave it at that, man. Oh, what's up, Jeremy? We said Jeremy's in the chat. Um, we're just scrolling through comments now. 
Um, while we're while we're scrolling through comments, I'm just gonna do a uh, a quick shout out to Royal Honda, um, who's been been our sponsor. Um, I agree with uh, T5 the Great. We love Josh. Y'all gotta let it that go. I completely agree. That's where I'm at. Sometimes you just gotta move on. Uh, did Portland guarantee him today? I think it they're automatically gone. it automatically guarantees if if there's no like announcement on it. Um, so I, I would be. I mean, there'd be no reason to unless they're clearing space for Aiton. They, yeah, they went and traded for Jeremy Grant. They're not. They're not looking to to bottom out here. They're gonna. They're gonna keep Josh. Josh played really well, and he's he's worth the money that he's getting next year. Yeah, he's an incredible asset as a contract as well. Like if you want to do any kind of trades, uh, you want to get John Collins, you want to get OG, Josh Hart's going to be in that deal, right? So there's no point in in waving. Yes, Jeremy says, let Josh enjoy the wine in Portland. We agree with that. All right, that's enough about Josh. If y'all have any other questions, um, put them in the chat. Um, Mason, did you have any other topics you wanted to bring up? Let's see. We got the we got the draft uh, recap. Let's, uh, I mean, so any... Any bold predictions for the start of free agency? It doesn't have to be Pelicans related. Just anything in general? Um, I don't know if it's bold because it's all like everyone's been talking about. But I still do think John Collins gets moved. Um, and and whoever he ends up getting moved to is going to have to move a lot of salary to do it. So that's going to be a big trade regardless. So does that end up being two teams, two, three teams? I don't know. Um, the, the DeAndre Ayton stuff is interesting. I would say... I think Atlanta ends up with him. So I'll just put the John Collins stuff in the middle of that. I say Atlanta ends up with John, uh, with DeAndre Ayton. What do you feel? I still think Detroit is a reasonable spot. I mean, I, I, it, it was has anything been said about them just being out because of their because of their draft? I mean, I feel like that's the speculation, right? They drafted Duran, and why would you max out a guy who? is going to play in front of him for the next five years and is also young, unless unless you believe one of them can be a four, which is like a very, very, very interesting team because then you have Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham. I guess you you would have to start Sadiq Bay because he'd be your, like your only shooter outside of Cade and then Duran and Aiton. Um, that's a very big team. It's a very athletic team. I don't know. Maybe that's what they want to do. But you would have to believe that one of them is able to be a four. Yeah, I yeah, I no longer think they're the odds-on favorite. Um, but I do think it's still an intriguing spot for him. Um, Kevin Durant to Portland. Josh Hart's gonna be a net, baby. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think I think they both stay with Brooklyn at least for now. I, I think that the, the drama at least amounts to nothing in free agency, and we'll see. Or in the summer, we'll see what happens. Dude, Sean Marks is going to get in there and be like, I traded like 15 fucking picks to get these guys. I can't let them go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It'd be a Houston. See, that's the thing is like if you're going to get the full bag just, just because of that. <laughs> if you're a Pelicans fans, you really need to be rooting um, for the Nets to stay good uh, for a little bit. And I know like it's far out picks, but stay good because then they keep the allure and they'll keep tracking free agents later and then. Um, they'll have a momentum because you don't want Houston getting a bunch of good picks um, while while you're trying to be good. Like you don't, well, they're, well, yeah, you don't want that because there's a good chance Houston is going to get good by that time if they continue to 
to yeah. draft in um in the top five uh, over the next couple of years and then by they get to 2027 like you don't want that like, let's, not, let's not, we don't want to load up not, our division unnecessarily yeah not to mention that the indirectly you could argue the pelicans draft picks have have skin in the game here because if you just let Giannis keep running through the eastern conference uh unopposed then why i mean the only way that those picks have any value and i'm not I, I don't want to be the guy that's rooting for a star to leave a small market, but that's the way that you you get value from those picks later on from Milwaukee is if they they're not good anymore. And so if if they keep winning, I don't see a reason that they that that things would change in in uh, Milwaukee roster wise. And so I'd rather have more challenges in the East to them. Yep, I I agree, man. Um, that's that's where I'm at. So I guess those are the big things. I guess go go bear is is the next one yeah i just don't think there's a a worthwhile trade out there especially because it seems like they were reporting gobert uh they're asking danny ainge is asking a lot so you know this is going to be like the oh we almost got we almost <laughs> we, we almost got john collins <laughs> we almost got gordon hayward back oh does does danny Ainge bring gordon hayward back is that is that a thing that's going to happen <laughs> If there is a such thing as an anti-league pass team, that it's the Utah Jazz with with uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert still there, just just fighting with each other every single game, not passing each other the ball. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's uh, that's interesting. I actually like this one um, from from James here. James says Gobert to the Bulls is something he can see. Um, I like that. I for the Bulls because it takes him out to the East. And and then I assume Vucevic and some other salary, maybe Pat Williams would be in that deal. But to me, that would catalyze the departure of of Donovan Mitchell, which is also, again, not something you want to be like, uh, like root for. But fuck it. It's Utah. They're pox on their franchise. Um, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I, I think in the selfish interest of the Pels, I am willing to admit I would like Utah to be a bad team. Um, so yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great for the bulls to, to do that. I think, um, no, oh, speaking of free agency, uh, Jack's working revenge. Can we, can we, who can we talk to, to get the original Pierre back? Good question. Let me text Griff right now. <laughs> we should get the old Pierre just for summer league. I think that would be fair. That's a fair compromise. They need to lean into weird shit. Like everyone saw Utah get clowned for their jerseys. Cause they're like, I don't even know how to describe their jerseys. They're just like someone got not even like word art it's just someone just typed it out on like a word document and printed the jersey of it and made it a highlighter color um yeah i mean i think like the the pelicans jersey that leaked was like the the mardi gras flag on the navy that shit's just ugly um so i think the pelicans need to lean into the weirdness of the pelican brand and it includes the original pierre at least making appearances from time to time maybe you bring him back uh, on halloween like you have a special Halloween night like promotion and be like, it's going to be a special surprise. And then Pierre just drops from like the rafters and he's just, you know, like they put his face on like the, the big jumbotron. And yeah, I would love that. Oh, and then like in behind the free throw line, you can like hand out like little like Pierre cutouts. Um, can you imagine shooting a free throw with that dude in your face? And just like, I've like hundreds of those cutouts just looking at you. Can, can you imagine Man, y'all, that? Thought, <laughs> y'all thought the King kick baby was scary. Just wait, just wait. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Gobert. Um, I, I don't, I'm going to get, get a couple of uh, more questions. This is from Ned Benjamin. It says, where do you see the Pels finishing in the West next year? A range is fine. Oh, so you want me to go first? Um, yeah. 
I think they're a. I think that the the my, my hope is that they are. <laughs> Sorry for the podcast no. listeners. Jeremy Jeremy Wilson commented that Milwaukee pick pick is getting tossed around like a snoop rotation. <laughs> Sorry. Back, back, back to the I, I just, I just want them to avoid the play-in, right? Like, I, I think they can get to six. Um, you know, I, I th- this team's got some serious upside. Um, I, I mean, it starts and ends with Zion Williamson, right? But, um, th- I mean, they're they're deep team. They're a talented team. The the challenge is obviously the West is still deep as hell, and so um, I, I, I think that I, my 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 hope again is that they avoid the play-in. I think six seven is is likely, but I think they can. I think they can get better. I think they can get higher than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, if Zion's healthy, they're gonna be a good team, period. And 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 I don't think they will be a playing team only. And and so, um, I don't, I don't, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, the West is so tough, blah blah blah. No, if Zion's healthy, they're they're a fucking good team, and people are gonna have trouble dealing with them. So that's that's where I'm at. But that's that's the if, right? Um, and well, uh, other other people's health is important too. Um. <laughs> Like if, if you miss Jonas for 40 games, like that's going to be a problem, right? If you miss CJ for 40 games, you miss Brandon for literally anything. We've shown that they cannot win without Brandon Ingram in any capacity. Um, they were like, what, two of 17 or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, I don't think that much needs to be stated. But, yeah, health health is going to be uh, the driving uh, factor. Um, yeah, so I uh, I think this is actually a good time to to wrap it up and before we do you know uh obviously want to shout out our sponsor DraftKings and so you know uh we have UFC 276 coming out um DraftKings Sportsbook's got a deal for you if you bet five dollars you can get a hundred dollars in free bets so use the DraftKings Sportsbook promo code the boot you see it on your screen right there so just download that Sportsbook app right now place five dollars on any UFC 276 fighter to win, get $100 in free bets. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or anyone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Crisis and referral services can also be accessed there. That's 1-800-426-2537. Um, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's all we got for today's show. Shout let's out Royal Honda again. Let's uh, hit that last question there. Because we got we got the same. We going to summer league. That's the last question. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to summer league. Absolutely, oh, yeah. we'll be there. Actually, I'm trying to figure out a way to extend my stay there. So, um, we're figuring out, dude. I want like I looked at my skate. I'm like I'm there for one game. And I'm like hell no. I want to be there for more than one Pelicans game. So we're yeah. we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. Um, yep. Yeah. We're gonna yep. be there. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Cool. Stay tuned for more stuff. Appreciate y'all. Right. See y'all.